0: Jesus is so good to us. It is absolute joy to sing his praises with every one of you. This morning, we're continuing in our teaching series in the book of Jonah. And so, your Bibles, please turn there. Now, Jonah, as we talked about last week, it's a very well-known children's Bible story. But it's far more than that, as we began to see in this new series The book of Jonah, this Old Testament story, has profound truth and implications for every one of us here today. Jonah is a story that as you begin to see it, as we'll see more today, is profound because it points to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what is foreshadowing, pointing to and fulfilled the end. And so the series is called Extravagant Love, God's Shocking Pursuit. Of rebels. So that's what we're considering the next several weeks is extravagant. Now the word extravagant, by definition, means that it's lacking restraint. So lacking restraint in spending or exceeding in, in what is reasonable or expected. And so when you're extravagant, you hold nothing back. You're just splurging. And that is how God loves you. He loves you extravagantly. He doesn't hold back. He is splurging, and he is just drenching you. He's raining down. Rain. But his rain is absolute mercy and compassion. You know, you live in the desert, and so you don't think about raining very often when you live here. And I was talking to my daughter this week. It's so funny because I was talking about how it never rains. She's like, it rains here all the time. And I was like, Really? She's like, yeah, there was that one time it rained for like an hour. I was like, oh, sweetie, you're a, you're a desert girl. And that's okay, not a bad thing. So we forget what rain is living here, but God is showering down and raining his absolute mercy and his grace and his love. And he doesn't hold it back, and he is extravagant with it. So that's what we're considering And so the theme of the book of Jonah, so the theme, and it's up here on the PowerPoint, is that God relentlessly loves rebellious sinners. That's what Jonah's about, that God is relentless. He doesn't give up. He's pursuing. So he loves rebellious sinners, and then he calls his people to share his incredible mercy with the world. So God loves us, and then he wants us to go share that with the world, and that is what Jonah is all about. Now, we're going to pick up today with Jonah chapter 1, verse 4. But let's do a brief review in the first three verses from last week. So Jonah, if you weren't here, he's a prophet. He speaks for God. He lived in the 8th century BC, so almost 800 years before Jesus was born. And he was commanded by God to go to the city of Nineveh to preach to them. The evil had come up to him. And now Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire in modern-day Iraq. Now, they were an evil people. They were the enemies of God's people. This world superpower, Assyria, was cruel. As we saw last week, they did some really evil things, and Jonah did not want to go to them. Jonah could not understand why. How could God possibly love the Ninevites, these Assyrians? And so he runs away, living in Israel, told to go to Iraq, and said he goes to Spain in the opposite direction, as far as he possibly could in the known world. And so that's where we left off last week, and so today let's pick up with verse 4, and we'll read Jonah chapter 1, verse 4 through 16. This is all one section in the story. So as Jonah is in the boat, heading away from God, it says... Perhaps the God will give us a thought to us and we may not perish. And they said one to another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account the evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation and where do you come from and what is your country and what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood for you. O oh Lord, have done as it has pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Amen. Remarkable passage. Absolutely Stunning when we begin to look at this as we will this morning. Let me give you the main idea, the primary truth that we learn from this portion of Scripture. The truth here is that God intervenes in our lives in order to accomplish His purposes. This is the main idea. This is what we're learning in this text that God intervenes in our lives in order to accomplish His purposes. Now, the word intervene, what that word means is to take part in something so as to prevent or alter a result, so to step in. So to intervene means to step into something to alter or prevent what's going to happen or is happening. So we're seeing God is intervening in the life of Jonah and of the sailors in, in order to accomplish his purposes. And so what we're seeing here in the storm is God's intervening love. Now, I know what you're wondering. Where are you getting that from? Okay, we just read a story about a storm, and God seems really angry. God's, God doesn't appear to be very happy here. The word raging is used. The sea was raging. And so you're thinking, okay, pastor, you're going to have to explain that. Well, if you'll follow me. And if you look at this in context you will see that this is God's absolute intervening love on behalf of both Jonah and the sailors and how God intervenes in your life today in order to accomplish his purposes for his glory and for your blessing. So let's look at this together. There are three primary truths here that flow from the main idea these, these basically reveal who God is and how He's at work in the world and in your life. God's intervention reveals three truths. The first one is God's intervention reveals that God is mighty. So God's intervention reveals that He is mighty. God is powerful, and He powerfully steps into your life. He intervenes in your life because He is sovereign. He is in control, he is almighty, and he controls all the details of his universe, including your life. He doesn't just control everything out there in the universe. He's also sovereign and control mighty over the affairs, the details of your life. And we can feel so small with over 7 billion people on the planet, and yet God knows you and your fears and your struggles and your failures, and your successes, and everything that is on your mind and on your heart, he knows, and he cares. He loves you, and he is mighty to intervene because he's accomplishing his purposes. You see this beginning to be developed in verse 4. It says, but, so Jonah is running away, but the Lord, this is from God, the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest upon the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Okay, this was not just a coincidence. It wasn't just a storm that happened to happen naturally. It says God hurled, is the language, God threw, God casted, is the word. God hurled wind onto the sea that created this storm. This storm was created supernaturally by God to intervene. And so he is revealing his absolute sovereignty, his power over creation, over nature. Because he made it. He spoke it. So now he can very easily hurl wind onto the sea. He's showing his strength and his sovereignty here through this storm. Now this word hurl is important because it will be repeated. And so keep that word in your mind. It's repeated several times in the story. So you see verse 5. The First half of this verse. Then the mariners were afraid. Now you stop right there for a second. Now if I were on a ship and it was just a little small storm, I'd be afraid. I would probably be afraid even if there wasn't a major storm. I I don't. I'm from South Texas. We're just like here. It's desert. There's not even. There's no water for hundreds of miles. All right. But not these guys. These are professionals. These guys are professional sailors. This is what they do. This is their career. This is every day they're in the ocean. This is not scary normally for them. This time, they're afraid. This is different. This is a different kind of storm. And they're realizing oh no, this is, this is not a normal storm. This is a category hurricane and it is destroying their ship and they with good reason professional sailors are afraid and it says that God is hurling he is throwing his sovereignty his wind his power at them in the ocean so how do they respond how did these sailors respond to God sovereignly hurling this, this wind at them in this storm you know what they did they do the exact same thing that you and I do every single time that we're faced with something that is scary or something that we feel that is just really terrifying to us, that's out of our control. You know what we all tend to do? We try to manage and control the circumstances. That's what we all try to do. And they did it as well. Trying to manage and control. What do they do? They hurled. Okay, God is hurling, and now they're hurling. They hurled their cargo into the sea to lighten their load. They're trying to control. They're trying to manage. They're trying to make sense. They're trying to get through their circumstances as best as they know how. So God is hurling, and now in response, they're exercising their ability and their power, and they're now hurling as well. They're now casting into the ocean. What you're seeing here, side by side, is God's nature and human nature being shown in this story. It's so clear if you really begin to see it. God is all-powerful. God is sovereign. He's in complete control of all the circumstances. And so you, you see that here. He is the king. And he is working the circumstances to accomplish his purposes. Because God has a plan with the storm. This is no accident. God is doing it for a very specific reason to accomplish his purposes. He's sovereign. You see God's nature. Then right next, you see man's nature. What do you see about man? What What are we like? We try to take control of circumstances when life gets scary or maybe when life gets chaotic. And that's what they're doing their best to manage under very difficult, frightening circumstances. And so you're seeing this struggle. And it's not hard to see who's going to win. As God is hurling, and as they're responding with their own hurling, you you can get the picture, yeah, the humans are not going to be able to overcome God's sovereign purposes. This is very important for us to understand. Has God hurled a wind into the sea of your life? Is God, as we speak, casting this mighty wind onto what used to be a very calm sea, that is your life? Has your life become chaotic or scary or out of control? Is something in your life going on that you realize that this is beyond what you can control, and you're doing your best, you're, you're throwing cargo off to try to get through it, let me ask you, as, as you think about the way we tend to respond to circumstances that God is in control of, that he wants us to recognize that he is sovereign, recognize that he is in control, and to rest in him, but instead we're, we're trying to manage things on our own frantically with things that beyond our, are beyond our control. How must we respond? Because if we're honest, our trying to manage usually doesn't work. It gives us a sense of control, but it doesn't actually work. It it doesn't change circumstances. You can try, but most circumstances in life are usually beyond your control. Now, the things that you're responsible for, you should do. When it comes down to it, if God has sent a storm to you, and you're not sure why, and maybe you're scared in this storm in your life, that really is okay, as we're going to see as the story unfolds. Even if life is scary really challenging you have to rest in Jesus knowing that he's using these circumstances to display his glory and to bless you thinking how is he going to bless me how i don 't know i 'm not sovereign i 'm just like you i 'm as sinful and as needy of the gospel and god 's grace as you are, but together we can learn to truly rest in Christ and trust that he is using these scary circumstances to display his glory and to bless you, to accomplish his purposes. So whenever God is intervening, as we're seeing here, number one, it shows that God is mighty, He's powerful, he's sovereign. Number two, it shows that God is merciful. So God's intervention in our lives shows that he is mighty, but secondly, it shows also that he is merciful. And you see that in the second half of verse 5. So it says that they're all afraid. They're crying out to their own gods. And they hurled a cargo that was in the ship to lighten it for them. Second half of verse 5 is amazing. But Jonah had gone down. Listen, Jonah had gone down into the inner parts of the ship. And had lain down and was fast asleep. Now, we read this last week in verse 3, where in the ancient Hebrew language, the phrase to go down was an expression, a euphemism, so an expression that described going down to death. And so to go down, meant so that go down to your grave. And so to go down is referring to dying. And so here, the same expression is used. That was used in verse 3. It says that he went down into the inner parts of the ship. He's going further down. The further he is from God, the more he's running away from God, the further he is going towards destruction and going further down, closer to disaster. And then in verse 6, the captain, who's a pagan, he, and he says to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? He wakes him up. Arise and call out to your God, what are you doing? We're all up there praying, and you're down here asleep. When the ship is breaking up, I mean, it seems absolutely impossible, but the scriptures record it. So we believe that it's absolutely true. Jonah wasn't praying. The others were to their their idols, the false gods, but Jonah, who knew God, wasn't praying. Know why? He had lost all sense of reality. He had lost sense of what's happening around him. He had lost touch with what is real and what the circumstances were and how much in peril, how much danger he was actually in physically going to drown but more importantly spiritually running away from God trying to manage his life on his own and dictate to God what he would do and so he was in so much danger but the more that we run away from God, the more that we drift away from Christ the more we lose touch with reality. And Jonah here has lost all sense of what's happening in his life. I have talked to so many couples over the years, and sometimes not just couples, but people that have already been divorced after the fact. And, and you talk to them, and they'll tell you, you know, when I was having the affair, when I was abandoning my marriage, I wasn't thinking about the reality. I wasn't thinking. I never even stopped to think about my own soul, what was happening to me inside. I wasn't thinking about how I was going to destroy my children, how I was going to soil the name of Jesus. He was just thinking about the affair. He was thinking about that other woman. And he had drifted so far away from Christ that he had lost sense of what's going on and lost sense of reality. And it's so easy for us to do things that we know are not healthy for us, that are not pleasing to God, and yet we do it. Why? Because we've lost sense of what's real and what's the implications of these decisions or these actions or these thoughts even. We lose touch with reality. And that's what happened to Jonah. He doesn't even see it. He doesn't even see that he's in danger. He's running away from God. This is a very precarious, very dangerous place for us to be, to run away from God. What tends to happen to us when we're drifting or running away from God is that we will focus on our circumstances, and oftentimes when you're running away from God, it's because you've had something difficult that's happened to you, something painful or unexpected or undesirable, something unforeseen, like Jonah. He didn't foresee being told to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to do that. So maybe you've had something in your life that was unforeseen or unexpected. And it has caused you to get frustrated or stressed. And then then you drift away from Christ, and then you begin to lose touch of what's going on. And so here they start saying, pray, pray to your God. And so they cast lots to find out who's guilty because they know this is a supernatural storm. They know this is not a normal storm. Something is going on here. Somebody on the boat has ticked off some God. They don't know who or which God, but they know that a God is very angry with them and causing this storm. So they cast lots. Now, Proverbs 16.33 tells us that the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. And so God, in, again, in his sovereignty, allows the lot to land on Jonah. And everyone knows, okay, he's guilty. And they're all convinced of it. And indeed, they, they were correct. And so, what they do is they're panicked and they go to Jonah and they say, Where are you from? What do you do for a living? What's your business? Maybe even, What's your business on this boat? Why are you here? Because they know something isn't right with this guy now. And so, Jonah responds, verses 9 and 10. Verse 9, Jonah responds to them, now that he's busted. And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. What you're seeing here is a man crashing down to reality. His sin has been exposed. He's been found out. No more hiding because now it's already out there. And for the first time, what you see here is Jonah's being honest, being honest with himself, being honest with other people, these sailors, and being honest with God. He's coming clean. He's confessing the reality. And, and you can almost hear it in this intervention. Can, can you hear it? Hello, my name is Jonah. I am a rebel. I'm running away from God. And the others are saying, okay, yeah, we're all gonna drown. And so they're like, so now what are we supposed to do? Here's something you have to understand about this situation that this storm that was terrifying for them and uncomfortable, this storm was actually a gift from God. This storm was a gift. This storm was God's intervention. This storm was God's love. God was showing mercy. To this rebel, yes, God is mighty, but God is merciful. This is God intervening. This is intervening love. God never gave up on Jonah. He could have, couldn't he? He could have called someone else. He could have just forgot about Jonah and called someone else to go to Nineveh. God could have accomplished His purposes in Nineveh and to have them repent and turn to Him through anyone. God didn't need Jonah. But God chose Jonah for this task. He didn't want to do it. He's running away. He forgot about God's mercy for him. And so then God is loving to pursue this rebel. And what's amazing is these these sailors, man, they're pagan, but you can see compassion. They don't want to throw him overboard. So they row even harder to try to get back to land. Because for, forget about, you know, sails at this point. They're all destroyed. And, and so they're rowing, trying to get back to land, and they can't. God keeps hurling more of his sovereignty, more of his winds, preventing it. Why? Why did God prevent the sailors who are showing compassion to Jonah? Because God loved Jonah too much to let him get back to land. You see, Jonah wasn't coming back. Jonah was done. He was checked out. He was forgetting God, forgetting his call. He was running away to live life for himself, to make sense of his life on his own. He was leaving. He was running away from God's presence. And God loved Jonah. And so he used this storm to bring him back. This sinful and rebellious man. Why? Because God wanted him to have joy. Why would God pursue him and bring the storm into being? Because he loved Jonah. And God knew that Jonah running away would never find joy in Tarshish. He would never have joy away from God's presence. No joy. And God loved Jonah too much. So he intervened. This is absolutely shocking that God would do this. That he would send the storm as an act of love. He's merciful when we run away to pursue us and to send circumstances that are difficult or scary or painful. And God will do whatever it takes. If you're running away from him and you belong to him, he wants you back. He wants your heart. And so he's going to pursue you. And he may send you storms. Let's read verses 14 and 15 and what happens. And then let's get some, some thoughts and see our last point. Verses 14 and 15. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, "O Lord, let us not perish with this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you." They're acknowledging God's sovereignty here. So they picked up Jonah, what is the word, and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. So what you see here is God begins his his plan by hurling the wind. They respond by trying to control and hurling their cargo and it wasn't working, and now they hurled Jonah. And now that he is hurled into the sea, now the sea is calm because now God's will is being accomplished. See, that's what God wanted in the first place, and we'll see next week in how this is good for Jonah. If you end right here, it looks like, how could this possibly be good for Jonah? It will be. We'll see that next week. But what you see here is critical for us to not miss. This is important. God sent this storm to save Jonah from Jonah. He didn't know he was in trouble. You see, what are interventions for? Who needs interventions? Well, all of us can need them. But it, interventions are for people that are in great trouble and don't even realize that they're in trouble and they're self destructing and they're living in denial. They're denying the problems, denying how they're far from Jesus, denying that that they are headed in the destruction going downward towards death. And people who are living like this, can be any of us, can be in denial. He didn't see the trouble that he was in. So God intervened. He sent this storm to break the chains that Jonah was wearing, chains of self-dependence. Because we can all be like this. We, We can all try to control situations that are beyond our control. And what happens is we become enslaved to our sin. And so submitting to God is the only way to freedom. Hear me. It sounds crazy, but this is in the scriptures. Submitting to God is the only path to freedom. Here's why. Because when you believe that everything in your life depends on you, your your family depends on you exclusively, Your finances depends on you exclusively. Your future depends on you. It's all in your shoulders. You've got to take care of it. When you think that everything depends upon you, then you are basically enslaved to your own abilities. You're enslaved to only what you can do. And you're trying, subtly, but you're trying to be your own savior. And that won't work. freedom comes when you trust God and his abilities and his wisdom instead of your own. And so Jesus came to liberate slaves. That's why we read earlier out of Luke chapter 4 in the worship gathering. He came to proclaim the year of of jubilee, to proclaim captives are now free. Jesus came to do that. And he was freeing Jonah from the chains of self-dependence, of being able to try to take care of everything on his own. And so how should we respond to God's intervention? We cry out to Jesus. How? With honesty and with humility. Say, Jesus, I've been trying on my own to control this or to manipulate people so that the storms of my life calm down and, quite honestly, acknowledge that you've been trying to control and manipulate. And if, it's not, if that's you, then be honest. Come clean. Say, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Let me see this storm as your mercy to save me from me. And let me depend on you and run to your presence rather than run away from your presence. God intervenes because he is mighty. He has a plan to accomplish. Secondly, intervenes because he is merciful. He's good to us to intervene in our lives. He'll take you back. That's what God does. If you run back to him, he'll take you back. That's what he wants in the first place. He wants your heart. Third one, as we close, God is missionary. So God's intervention shows that he's mighty, shows that he's merciful, and that he's a missionary. God is missionary. You see in verse 16, as we close. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. See, earlier they were saying, call out to your God, just general word, God. Now they're calling him by name, Lord. Adonai. They're saying, this personal God is now our personal God. We revere Him, we fear Him, and they're worshiping Him. They're even having a sacrifice. They're having a worship service. It's like a revival broke out on this boat. All these pagan sailors are no longer pagan now. Now they love the one true God. And we'll see them in heaven one day. And you can talk to them. Because they're there now. They believe in the one true God, and so God sent this storm to rescue His rebellious son, and to rescue these rebellious pagan sailors. And they're on way. They're also running away from God. They didn't realize it, but they were. So God saved them, and God had a plan. And so He sent this wind in order to reveal His mercy to save these sailors. These sailors would not have been saved if not for the storm. Jonah would not have been restored if not for the storm. So we praise God in the middle of our storms. Can you hear me? As hard as this sounds, as impossible and as ludicrous, and and it is to our world, this is ridiculous, but we do, we praise God in the middle of the storm because He is with us. And this story points to what happened later. Jesus is asleep on the boat. Disciples freaking out. And Jesus is asleep, unlike Jonah. Jesus is asleep because he's calm and he's the creator of the universe. He wakes up and just calms the storm. Will you go down and just rest with Jesus? Instead of frantically trying to keep bailing water and managing circumstances or people, rest. Rest with Jesus. He wants to save people from every nation. And He wants to use you and me to do it. He is missionary. This storm points to the ultimate reality of God intervening through Jesus on the cross. So this storm is literally pointing to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus intervened. How? He came when we were lost running away from God. And Jesus came. He died on the cross. The ultimate intervention is Jesus hanging on the cross to save sinners, rebels like us. God didn't have to intervene, but he did because he loves us. And Jesus made a way. And he is the only hope for this world. Let me ask a question as we close. For those of you that are followers of Jesus, does your heart break for the lost? I really mean that. Does your heart truly break for those who don't know Jesus? Because the ones who don't know him don't have true joy. They're looking for it in all kinds of ways, but they don't really have joy. They don't have forgiveness, they don't know God. Does your heart truly break for those that don't know Jesus? And maybe you're here, and this is something new for you that you haven't really heard before. But you have to hear clearly that Jesus loves you, died on the cross for you. He paid for your sins, your shame, your guilt. He paid it all, victoriously. He was resurrected. He's alive today. He's the king. He's on his throne. He's our king. Have you ever fully understood that? Were you repented and put your complete trust in Jesus? If not, you can do it today. God's love is extravagant. It's shocking that he would love us, but his love is extravagant. And he's intervening because he loves us. I love the story of Jonah. You know why? Because we see our rebellion, and yet we see God's mercy. And we see how our sin can reach so far, and God's grace and love reaches even further still to pursue rebels like us.